No Direction Network presents Pfizercon 2022 Seminar Coverage. For more great convention coverage, check out NoDirectionPodcast.com. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to PaizoCon 2022, and uh, thanks for tuning in to the current panel that you're, you're watching right now. It's uh, Getting Started with Virtual Tabletops. Uh, my name is Patrick Reaney. I'm a senior developer at Paizo. I work on the Pathfinder Adventure Path line, and with me I have uh, two very special colleagues uh, who I'll let them introduce themselves, but we have Eric Keith and Andrew White. Go ahead, Eric. All right. Hello, I'm Eric Keith. I'm the software QA over at Paizo. And uh, yeah, I have definitely had a very long passion for virtual tabletops, and I'm glad to kind of help uh, share that with everyone. And Andrew? I'm, I'm Andrew White. I'm um, front end engineering lead on Paizo.com and occasional author. And uh, I also most recently was spearheading a lot of the development on uh, the Foundry stuff recently released right hang on a second my kids are uh out that window. <laughs> they want to watch the panel chase them into the woods and i'll be back <laughs> um well that that's a great segue into uh eric i think that's a great segue into our conversation today which is virtual tabletops and uh mm-hmm. the many a, fun yeah the, the, that I, I feel like that happens a lot in virtual tabletops is uh kids in the back Ground banging on the window. Um, Random encounters <laughs> happen, you know. That's right. That's right. Rolled a hundred on the the D one hundred. So today we're going to be chatting about uh, virtual tabletops, and we're going to go over kind of what that means. Uh, you know, people come into it with different you know understandings of what it, what a virtual tabletop means. So we're going to kind of cover the different aspects of what that can mean, and we're going to talk about why it's a great time to start playing virtual tabletop games, whether that's Pathfinder or Starfinder. Um, whatever tabletop games you're into, there, there's really never been a better time to get into virtual, virtualizing it, as it were. So uh, we both, we all three of us come into kind of virtual tabletops with different levels of experience. I'm definitely the the, the greenest among us. I've only been running uh, a Foundry game for about three months now, but it's been a blast. That's kind of why I wanted to join this panel is because I, I I've been having so much fun with this that I want to, you know, help assuage anyone, beginners especially, who might be intimidated by the the prospect, um, you know, and and help kind of teach the the things that I wish I'd learned from day one rather than you know uh, day ninety as it were. So, uh, and Eric, you're kind of uh, you're you're kind of an old hat at uh, virtual tabletops, right? Yeah, it's uh, definitely. I have been using Roll Twenty for over ten years now. The amount of playtime I have on it is definitely within the tens of thousands range. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, prep time, prep with virtual tabletops can be as much or as little as you want it to be. And I definitely love going above and beyond for my players because they get a huge kick out of it. It's pretty rewarding. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and Andrew, how, how how's your level of experience with uh, virtual tabletops? I think somewhere between me and Eric, right? Oh, can't hear you. Oh, no, you're muted. Can you hear me now? Now I can yes. hear you. No? Okay, you yeah, can okay. or can't? Oh, yeah. yes. You're good. Okay, awesome. I'm glad, uh, glad, <laughs> glad that Eric is here. Um, <laughs> yeah, my, my level is right in there between the middle, uh, in between you, I think. I had not used any virtual tabletops at all. Prior to the pandemic, which I think is probably true for a lot of people. Um, and then when all of a sudden um, it was a choice between play online or don't play at all, 
uh, I had sort of a crash course in all the various VTTs that we had. And um, I tried out Roll20, uh, I tried out Astral. Um, eventually I found Foundry, which was certainly what drove my interest in making sure that uh, all of the Pathfinder products that uh, Paizo is now involved in putting out got off the ground because I saw a cool opportunity there. Um, but yeah, I have really only been involved in virtual tabletops to any extent for the last two years. And uh, I'm kind of with Eric. I, the, the one downside and I think cool thing about virtual tabletops is the fact that you can go above and beyond. Um, sometimes <laughs> translates into a, a tendency to go above and beyond where it isn't really necessary. And previously, when you could have just like hand waved stuff, like eh, you know, I'll just I'll just come up with a vague description for the shopkeeper, or the ominous guy hanging out in the alley, or whatever, um, and go with it. Now it's like okay, now I now I have to find art for every single NPC. Um, now I have to find uh, an overhead map for for the feed store where they meet the the guy or something like that, which is great because it uh, it really helps with immersion, but. Um, Anyway, I'm getting off track. I think uh, well, it's, I've, I've it's, more than answered the question you originally asked. So let me move I, on and allow you to allow you to get I, back. I to know. The I totally understand what you're saying because it's um, it's kind of so easy to get assets like images and sound and stuff like that when you're on a virtual machine. That's what virtual tabletops are, right? Is it's using the internet, using a computer to play tabletop games like Pathfinder and Starfinder um, with friends online, like in different parts of the country or world or whatever, right? Um, so it, it's so tempting. I know what you mean as a, I'm a, a, a chronic planner when it comes to DM, uh, jamming that, um, you know, I always want to make sure I got every image and every, uh, you know, possible evocative asset that I, that I can get to really draw people in. Um, and I think what's great about, uh, VTTs right now is that there's, they're super popular since the, since the pandemics, as you, as you pointed out that, um, there's so much support for them right now. There's so much. Uh, content being made specifically for VTTs, kind of like whichever one you, you're interested in going with. And we're going to keep this conversation pretty like system agnostic. Um, uh, we will point you to a panel that you led yesterday, uh, Andrew, about uh, uh, Pathfinder's offerings on Foundry. Like we're officially partnered with Foundry now, and there's all sorts of <clears throat> excuse me, awesome stuff coming out between the, the two of us and actually you and i have been working specifically on the alkenstar uh, the outlaws of alkenstar conversion uh to vtt and and that's been awesome to to work with you and see all that stuff but uh we're going to show a couple images in the background here while we chat and uh we'll just kind of queue up the first one here which uh shows abomination vaults on foundry so uh this was one of the first uh, adventure paths that we converted from the tabletop, you know, print product to uh, a VTT style adventure. And so this is on Foundry. And uh, it, it one of the benefits of this kind of um, integration is that it's all already in there for you. You know, if you're building uh, an adventure or an encounter from scratch in VTT, it can be very intimidating, especially at the beginning when you have no idea what you're doing. I mean, it's kind of like, writing in a different language to a certain extent, but it's super easy to learn, I think, when you have something already in there. And uh, you guys, if you if you have anything to, uh, oh, no, you know, I, feel I, free I, to interrupt I, me at any point. Yeah, you think so too, Eric? A pre-built module that's been designed by the people that know exactly what they are doing is a fantastic way to learn the experience. So like you could take like that and then um, 
like backwards compatible, like just break it down and kind of find out how they had done it as a good way of learning it as well. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely have a lot of fun. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, you can you can like customize the maps to like a granular extent. You can put like lights and uh, sounds, you know, and ambiance and everything. And seeing an example of how other people have already done that, especially you know professionals and people who work with Foundry every day, uh, it's super. Yeah, it's it's it really teaches you, you know, when is too much versus when is just right. You know, it's definitely possible to go overboard. I think. I mean, as with any any preparation, but. Um, uh, I think it's yeah a really great opportunity to immerse your players in the world. Um, it's true, and I think you you mentioned something uh, earlier, Andrew, about um, uh, doing handouts and stuff like that. That's something uh, I used to do when I was doing a lot more in ga in person games. Is like uh, you know get out the coffee, like the the tea, and and, uh, and put up paper in there so I turn it into parchment, right, and then draw on it. So I got a fancy little piece of parchment. But it's so much easier to make like handouts, quote unquote, for um, for vtts uh because you can just find an image that works for you right so with our second image example here um that's that's a good example of an abomination vaults uh a, a handout that you might hand to the players like a wanted poster for this this uh you know uh pumpkin headed monster <laughs> i think we got going on here um so you can simply like flash that onto the player's screens or send them uh you know a link within the program uh they can have that in their journal in the program um it's a lot easier to stay organized uh and and kind of get those kinds of things would you agree andrew i would um I think that one of the cool things about virtual tabletops that I've noticed now, having had some time playing on them and comparing them to in uh, live play, is that there there are a lot of interesting things that only come up in a virtual tabletop environment. One of the biggest ones that I've found is that pretty much every virtual tabletop out there now um, supports dynamic lighting, which is to say that based on which character, which token you're controlling, um, will determine how far you can see, whether you can see around walls, uh, sometimes uh, even going so far as if it's dark. Uh, does the character have dark vision? Can they see stuff? And that makes dungeon crawls and maze exploration a totally different experience than it would be if you were all just sitting around a table looking at the map and just sort of pretending that you didn't know how the layout worked. It's a lot closer to... <clears throat> the sort of old school D and D approach where the, the uh, uh, GM is literally describing, okay, there's 20 feet ahead of you. And then it turns left and there's some guy sitting at the side of the table, mapping stuff out in person. Um, it's that sense of exploration exists in a way that can be done in theater of the mind, but oftentimes is sort of lost once maps come into play. Am I making any sense here? Um, yeah, to, yeah, because Pathfinder really excels at maps. I think is kind of one of the best part about parts about Second Edition in particular is that it's um, when you're when you're in encounter mode and you're uh, doing these the five foot grid. That's where a lot of the strategy and tactics come into play. So VTTs automate a lot of that, right? Well, yeah, and also just generally um, being able to space people out, and you know mm -hmm. when you actually can't see. And you actually can't see what's around the next corner. It's easier to compartmentalize things, and it's easier to determine. Okay, can my character actually see this enemy? Um, or even though I know, even though I know that the the token is on the map, can my character actually see it? Well, the calculation is already telling me right now uh, whether or not it's in my sight line, whether or not I have the right kind of vision, 
whether or not there's something in the way. Um, it changes the play. It changes the way that the game plays. I, I don't think I would have had nearly as much fun in games sitting around the table where I was exploring a maze necessarily than I do with a lot of the virtual games that I've played recently. Just because of that, it's a new it's a new style of gameplay. It's also I find a, a lot of fun to uh, depending on how you've set up your maps. Like you can easily add things or remove things from the map in a sudden and unexpected way that you could have the floor collapse and drop the players into another room by simply pressing like two buttons that you have set up. Um, which you know, like on a tabletop, you'd or on an actual table, you'd have to like lift up the map, like remove it, put it down, and the players can see what you're doing unless they're really good and they look away. But you can just do things in such a fast and spontaneous manner that it's so much fun to just catch your players by surprise just using the map. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of like potential for delighting your players um, with VTTs, and that kind of comes from the preparation that uh, you were talking about earlier, Andrew, and what you just mentioned, Eric is. You know, when you take the time to um, think about, like, what's the ambience in this cave like, you know, and and you can find all these resources online, you know, uh, there's huge libraries of free sound effects and ambience and all sorts of stuff, um, in addition to, you know, uh, official Pathfinder stuff, too. Um, and you can, like, hook in Sirenscape, you know, it, there's so much technology, it's, it's just kind of baffling. Um, I'm kind of shocked I didn't get into VTTs earlier because it really combines my like love of like technology and getting into the fiddly bits of like learning a new coding language and stuff like that. Um, I love to do that stuff, you know. And uh, but then you get to play, you get to play Pathfinder afterward. <laughs> it's like cool. This is this is the best. Um, uh, we were talking about like um, you know compartmentalizing and and having these things on hand, and I think that's another big benefit of VTTs. Is you know, for example, in this third image we have. Uh, which shows some monster stats, um, you know, what you're doing in real life, you know, often, like Eric said, is you're you're pulling out the combat map and like, you know, moving somebody's, uh, you know, Mountain Dew can out of the way and like, you know, putting the pens down and drawing these things and being like, oh, this, this is here, this is here, and, you know, the figurine gets knocked over. Um, that stuff doesn't happen in a VTT, which is con very convenient. And you don't really have to like wrestle with huge, you know, books that you might have like, um, I love books. Like that's why one major reason I'm in this industry. But um, it's also super convenient to just have the stat block in front of me. Right? Is if um, you know with a book, for instance, I'm like, oh, what was the page? You know, or I like get sidetracked. And I'm like, actually, I want this monster instead. You know, like I have to flip to page 200 to find this uh, yeastus, for example. But in um, a VTT, you can just kind of have a link right there on the on the screen and click it, and you have the stats right there, and you don't have to worry about any of the you know, distractions or, um, you know, hauling around big, heavy books. Um, it, it's a, a big, uh, you know, that's a big benefit, I think. Somebody asked a question. Uh, how often do you find that after setting up the map, the runners bypass the area entirely? Uh, the answer is often, because that's mm -hmm. how JPM works. Uh, but another one of the nice things about VTTs, and of course, this is not exclusive to VTTs, but once you have set up that map, you've got it. You know, if they if they somehow found a way to bypass that counter entirely, you've you can always use it somewhere else later, or you can reuse it in a totally different game for different people, or even for the same people if you want to. Once you've got, doesn't matter what platform you're on. Once you've got a map set up with walls, lighting, sound, whatever else you want to put on there, it's there. Uh, that's one of the things that we're hoping for also with the uh, like the Abomination Vaults, the Outlaws of Alconstar conversions, is that even if you've already run 
or you're not interested in actually running those particular games, you can absolutely take them, strip them for parts, and use them in your own games. Those tokens will work anywhere. You could use those tokens in other uh, other platforms if you wanted to. Uh, those maps, you could use those anywhere. You could use those in Roll20, you could use those in Astro, you could use them anywhere that, that you can import your own maps into. Um, Actually, so go ahead. The, the modular nature of these sorts of things when they're packaged digitally, digitally is uh, another nice benefit of virtual tabletops and how they work. Similarly yeah, to, uh, yeah, similarly to how a lot of uh, or there's a lot of our new APs coming out for uh, Foundry. If you are interested in checking out, say, like Roll Twenty as well, they do actually have some pre-made adventures of ours as well that you could easily reference if you wanted to explore that system. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's um, you know a lot of different features in every uh, in in every platform. I've tried a couple different ones, you know, uh, Foundry and. Um, fantasy there's, grounds. There's a lot of support across the round, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's kind of it's kind of just whichever one you want to get into, and um, you know, it's easy. I think you can kind of uh, con- convert knowledge in one to another once you like learn the different hotkeys a little bit. It's like, oh well, you know, I've, I've I know how to set tokens down, and I know how to organize my files and stuff now, and um, I think that's really handy. Uh, in this uh, fourth image that we have here, you know, uh, talking about the the Pathfinder modules made for um, VTTs. You know, one one great thing about the beginner box module that uh, is supported on Foundry now is that it teaches you both how to play Pathfinder and how to use Foundry kind of at the same time. So I, I think that's a really good place to start if you're just totally new, you know, to VTTs. You're like, I've heard of these things. I, I don't, you know, know the first thing about them. Like, I didn't know the first thing about them three months ago. I didn't even realize that you play most of them in your browser. I thought you had to download something, but um, nope, it's all in your browser nowadays, uh, kids. You know, um, <laughs> you won't believe. You know, it's a long way from Pac-Man, but uh, they, uh, you know, it teaches. This module was designed to teach you not only how to play Pathfinder and get into that, and it has all the images and um, you know dialogue and stuff for you to read your players, but it also teaches you as you're running this game, you know, what to click on in order to start the fight and how to you know progress to the next turn and stuff like that. Um, so I think that's a really handy resource if you're, um, especially if you're introducing folks new, you know, folks to Pathfinder as well as uh, VTTs. You know, it can be really intimidating to be like, I've never even played a tabletop game, and now I'm learning how to do on online. But you know, this tool I think in particular is is a really great asset for for that kind of thing. I think something we haven't touched on uh, yet also is that virtual tabletops, the software that is used for virtual tabletops can be used in live gaming as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we were discussing this briefly in the panel yesterday also, but I have seen some absurdly elaborate setups where you've got like a table with uh, a flat flat panel monitor built into it and a computer under the table that's projecting a foundry or some other VTT onto the screen in the table. And you've got, uh, you're moving your, min- your little miniatures around on the screen. They're being detected automatically. Uh, the dynamic lighting is showing what each t- token can see based on where they are on the map. Um, it's pretty crazy. There's like Bluetooth dice and stuff you can roll. It'll automatically send it to the VTT. Um, the future is here, kids. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Um, it really but, is. Uh, I mean, I remember years ago seeing like an image of somebody who mounted a projector to their ceiling and could shoot, you know, the, the, 
the game down onto their coffee table. And it was like revolutionary. I was like, I'm going to invest in a thousand dollar projector. I'm going to buy a house so I can mount it to the ceiling and project, you know, Photoshop or whatever onto the, 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 um, you know, flat surface here. But now it's, yeah, like you said, you can just put it on that. You can cast it to your TV. Um, easy as that, right? It's, it's crazy how far it's come and, and just kind of what you can use it for. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eric showed us some, uh, uh, I saw some examples of your, your, your home game that you run, Eric, and, and you've like integrated like animations of, um, you know, vehicles and stuff like that. So like, as you're on yeah. the vehicle, the background is like zooming past you below you. And, uh, it's just like a level of immersion that you, you can't really get, um, with pen and paper, I think. No, it's true. Um, you can, you can add so much like virtual tabletops are very modular. Um, and just like what you can do with them. I have so many extra mods that I've added to mine because often um, you can download like the base uh, virtual tabletop. But if you get into looking at like online tutorials, uh, there's a lot of good content on YouTube. Uh, then you can just start kind of exploring the platform and enabling a lot more content than you had ever expected. Um, and then also if you just work with multimedia mixing and figure out how to kind of best use the system, there's so much you can pull out of it. Um, I'll get into more of that uh, in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that's a good segue actually into a tip I wanted to share, which, uh, uh, you know, kind of in, with the second segment of our conversation, you know, I was hoping we could share some tips and advice that, you know, things we we've learned that we want to impart onto a, a next generation of VTT players. And I think one thing I learned, but I didn't take to heart, and I, I probably should have is, is the modules that you mentioned, um, you can download like add ons and extensions that really like, um, customize the game like even further so you can like integrate a calendar system into it and uh you know change the lighting effects and make sound work differently and um change the the layout of the ui and all this stuff and uh when i first started getting into it i was like this is so cool you know i google like the top 50 modules uh you know install all of them i'm like i'll learn them all at once uh boy that was pretty rough um you know because you realize pretty quickly it's like oh I, the base the base program has a lot of functionality and plenty to learn by itself and and that's kind of one tip i would say for beginners is like take it slow with the add-ons and modules um you know it's really enticing but uh, one thing i didn't anticipate with those for instance is like i have a timer one where i'm like oh well uh my players are taking too long with combat you know i'll, I'll make it so it has an automatic timer that shows up uh during their turn and it's like great uh but if I do that at the same time as this calendar module and the party loot, you know, module and all these things, I'm like, okay, let's spend the first hour of today's game talking about all the new modules you have to learn. And then I realize, oh, uh, you know, half the people have no idea, you know, what I'm talking about. The other half, it doesn't, you know, there's uh, troubleshooting to do or whatever. Um, it's just, it's just, uh, it's a good idea to take it, take it easy, and and really just enjoy. I think just enjoy like having. That time with your friends playing this game um even if that at the first your first session or two even if that just means like showing a map on the screen and moving around the tokens doesn't need to be more complicated than that at the beginning it it looks like magic to you know if you've never played one of these before even if you're just doing the you know, bare bones stuff i think it's true and actually oh go ahead andrew i was just, uh, I that's, that's precisely why one of the things that we aimed for with um with uh, the recent uh, official releases where we wanted to make them as bare bones as possible. They just, uh, they don't require any additional modules other than the base software itself. 
Um, and of course, they're compatible with additional modules to the extent that, that anything is, depending on how the module is written. So if you want to go crazy, you can make it as complicated as you want. You can add uh, animations and automated combat visuals and all sorts of crazy stuff. But um, they're, they're pretty cool all by themselves, I think. And I didn't I mean think... to undercut you there, Eric, Yeah, because you were saying like how cool modules are. Um, and I, I yeah. agree 100%. One of the um, other definite things to take away is initially when you are first learning virtual tabletops, while there is the big emphasis for all the flashy maps and everything, probably the strongest feature you truly have in a virtual tabletop is your right sidebar, which is you know where it shows the dice, the chat, the rules that pop up, things like that. Um, maps are fantastic. Um, but if you just want to sit down with your friends and try to game, as long as you have the secondary tools there and you, you know, perhaps have Discord and want to just, you know, have like voice chat with your friends, that ends up being a really good time too. So don't get daunted by it initially. Like you can still mm -hmm. do theater of the mind. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I some sometimes I just throw an image up on the screen and I'm like, let's, you know, you're talking to this NPC. Let's leave this up. I'm not gonna get distracted with the maps and stuff for now. Sorry, go ahead. It leaves plenty of room for theater of the mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to say it, it actually it's actually worth pointing out that um there are a number of uh, upcoming VTT projects that I've seen that are actually leaning full into the you know what let's not worry about maps and tokens and stuff let's let's go full theater of the mind and support it um and that's their whole that's their whole model which I think is an interesting pivot back uh because of course if you really wanted to you could just certainly you could just all hop in a voice channel and roll dice and play uh a, a play Pathfinder, Starfinder, whatever, uh, with no actual visuals at all. Um, the idea of having a platform that is literally just okay. You know what? Occasionally, I'm going to throw up an NPC image. Occasionally, I'm going to show up as uh, throw up an image that I found that is vaguely evocative of the scene that I'm describing here, um, and I'm going to play some music in the background just to to set the mood. Um, sometimes, especially after you've spent a lot of time dealing with a particularly complex. VTT that involves a lot of maps and tokens. Sometimes it's a nice, a nice uh, just break from having to deal with all that to just go back to something simpler. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. Um, uh, if if uh, folks in the who are watching at home, if you have any questions for us uh, at any time, feel free to drop them into Discord uh, on the PaizoCon Discord or uh, Twitch.tv slash. Uh, official Paizo. That's where. That's probably where you're watching this. So uh, yeah, we're happy to answer any questions, but um, we're also, you know, kind of talking about our, our tips and and tricks and advice for for uh, virtual tabletops. Um, Something that somebody was talking about earlier up in in the chat. A couple of people were talking about was the idea of a landing page, which mm -hmm. also is a fairly specific to VTT concept. Um, and the idea of that, if you're not familiar with it, is that you're basically just setting up a place where uh, where the uh, a central repository for information, so that the uh, the players can go to this page. Usually, they start on the page, and sometimes, it, depending on how you're running your server, it may be accessible between games. And they can go back and research it, but it's a place to keep track of, like, oh, this is uh, you know it, what happened last week, uh, the story so far. Here's a bunch of NPCs. Here is uh, the treasure that was delivered. Here's some rumors that we picked up in town. Um, maybe here's uh, a couple of plot hooks that uh, the GM thinks of between sessions that they want to just put out there um, for the players to see in between. Um, mm -hmm. And in some setups, there's even cool stuff like you can actually set up uh, automated storefronts where people can have their, their players do all their shopping and 
selling of loot and restocking their weapons and stuff in between sessions. So that doesn't actually get in the way of the story. Um, mm-hmm. But having an automated landing page, in addition to being just sort of sometimes a cool thing to have, um, also has some neat functionality that, uh, that you can't have in a, in a regular game. I remember a lot of games that uh, I used to play in person in between um, we would actually do stuff like update those sorts of things on a wiki or uh, or, or mm-hmm. write articles to keep track of stuff or even sometimes narrate scenes that would have taken place in between the games. And uh, a landing page is kind of like a more fleshed out version of that. Not exactly the same, but uh, it's it's an expansion of the same concept, I think. I think it's easier to get buy-in from players doing that too. I actually just built a landing page. Uh, it's trickier than it's it's its own. If if you like to do extra work behind the scenes, uh, yeah, build a landing page for sure. It's kind of like building a website just for just for your game a little bit. And um, yeah, I think our uh, our uh, sixth image here, which shows the uh, or I'm sorry, the fifth image, which shows Alkenstar, a map of Alkenstar. That's a great example of using a uh, landing page. Is that you can put a map of the city, for instance, you know, uh, for Outlaws mm-hmm. of Alkenstar, for instance, you're spending most of the campaign uh, in the city of Alkenstar itself. So being able to um, show this map to your players and let them mark it up as however they want, they can put little tags, you know, be like, oh, we visited this tavern, we met this this uh, gunslinger over here. Um, that's huge. We're not allowed uh, to anymore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, so often at at, the, at a tabletop game, you know, people keep their own little uh, 3M notebooks or whatever. But, uh, you know, how often do you see, you know, fellow players notes? It's really cool to get to see everybody's notes um, all on one kind of thing and in a visual way, right? And you can mark up this map without having to worry about, you know, uh, uh, ruining your collector's edition, you know, Outlaws Valkenstar thing or whatever. Um, you know, you can you can mark it up and then clear it in one one click or whatever. Your players can also yeah. set up tons of different options there, like showing how they want to travel the places, you know, noting things they're worried about and areas of the city they might stay away from or head into if they know danger is there and they seek it out. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's totally honestly when you have if you have a really good landing play, like page, half the time you can inspire your players into generating their own content there, which is a lot of fun to have happen. So mm-hmm. a good splash page will get you far. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, oh yeah, please go ahead, Andrew. All right, the delay on this is kind of weird. We keep talking over each other. Go ahead. Oh, that's something. I mean, I, I can't remember, but that's uh, that's one of the many fun perks of VTTs. A little bit is you get to uh, uh, you learn how to talk over. You know, just to go and talk. You know, uh, it's like a Zoom meeting. You kind of learn the etiquette. But uh, it, I, I was surprised at how like fluid and um, casual it felt after a couple sessions of getting used to it. Like with with talking over each other and doing the audio video stuff it it um you build a rapport and you build a a kind of pattern i think it it's not it's not as um intimidating as it might seem <laughs> as we're making it look maybe <laughs> what were you gonna say andrew oh i was gonna say something else that uh thinking of uh, notes on the map one of the other nice things about vtt's is uh the ability to segment information um if you're playing a game around the table and the GM writes a note and passes it to a player, you probably have a pretty good idea that something's going on or the DM's just screwing with you, which is also a strong possibility um, in most of the games I've ever played in. Um, was... But uh, but VTTs make it a lot easier to send a DM to one of the players um, 
and say like, you know, you know, there's, there, there's a weird guy following you. Do you, do you want to do something about it? Or uh, even in some cases, I've had a lot of fun with uh, a module that allows you to play particular sound effects that can only be heard by certain characters or put things <laughs> on the map that only certain characters can see. Um, Foundry in particular, I don't know whether uh, Roll20 has one, but it wouldn't surprise me. A similar effect has a module called Polyglot that allows uh, characters and NPCs to say stuff in different languages uh, that can be perceived by the person. By If your character speaks that language, you can read it normally. Otherwise, it turns up as a string of gibberish um, based on whatever the language is. And that, uh, that, that's also kind of fun for providing immersion. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, no, I, I've had similar experiences with uh, the use of polyglot. Um, actually, to speak to your point, too, with uh, earlier, you said that it, it's pretty intimidating for the first couple sessions. It, it will be, honestly. Like, take it slow the first couple sessions and just kind of, like, feel out and learn the virtual tabletop. And once you've kind of gotten really comfortable with it, then, like, you'll it'll come to you pretty quickly. At least it, that's been my experience so far, especially recently. Uh, virtual tabletops have been really trying to become more accessible. Um, so like the, the tools have been designed to be more easier to use. Um, also, Andrew, one of my own personal favorite sound effect tools that they have is you can actually, in some of them set sound effects to happen within a perimeter of like five feet, 10 feet, 15 feet of an object. So you can actually put sound effects that only occur if you're close enough to the thing that causes them. So you can set up a mimic, have it make some sort of horrifying sound, have a player walk up to and go, does anyone else hear that? And then pause the game and be like, so. And it's just hilarious if you pull it off right. Nice. Super immersive. Yeah. I mean, you can have like the fire crackling louder as you get closer to it and have the, you know, bustle of uh, dishes being moved around in the tavern. It's, uh, yeah, it's super awesome. Um, it's really on the on the topic of like training and like getting used to you know first steps with the the software itself and like the technical details one of the things i found really helpful that i was really glad i did when i was first starting uh, with a new group was that i um as part of our character building you know i i had one-on-ones with each of my players in the group and that was an opportunity for me to build out a little little training module, um, you know, with just the bare basic things I wanted them to be able to do. I put, you know, a token on the other side of the screen and put their token down. I was like, okay, like step one, let's move your token to the other side of the screen. We did that, you know, got to check off a cool little objective box. Um, and I did that with each uh, player. And the benefit of that was that they got to mess around with the software, you know, with me one-on-one -on -one and ask questions. And then the benefit to me was that after five players, I had done this, you know, for five hours or whatever, I was really good at the software by the end of that. And I knew exactly how to move a token to the other side of the screen. And, um, you know, so showing each other and playing with each other kind of uh, before you start the actual game itself, I think is a really good idea um, to help familiarize yourself with the, the software. It, it can, the first session, if you, if you have no idea what you're doing, I, it, you know, first session will be a lot of that. So it helps to beforehand be like, hey, let's chat about this one-on-one. -on -one. And you can send videos and YouTube videos and be like, oh, this is how you start. But um, I, I don't think anything beats like having that one-on-one Q&A with, with someone who, you know, ostensibly knows what they're doing. Hands-on immersion is amazing. 100% agreed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, what, what are... Oh, go ahead, Andrew. I was just saying, as as people are pointing out in the chat, though, also one of the nice things about these being online tools, of course, is that there are tons and tons of people out there who are more than happy to help you solve your problems. 
Um, every virtual tabletop that I'm familiar with has tons of YouTube videos out there. Most of them have pretty active Reddit and other communities, Discord communities, uh, where you can go in there and just ask a question at any time. And people would be happy to, to, to show you what you're doing or say like, yeah, I had that same problem. And here's, uh, uh, didn't never get solved, but here's a, here's a direct line to the devs so you can ask them to fix it. And, um, eventually it'll get done. So the, the communities behind these things are also really, really good and really, really helpful. And because obviously the more people who are able to use that software, the bigger, the potential pool of players, um, they're at least in my experience, pretty, pretty friendly for the most part. And they're fans of the games usually too, you know, uh, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the great modules are just made by volunteers who, you know, don't charge anything for it. And they just they love to play Pathfinder. You know, there's a lot of uh, Pathfinder and Starfinder specific ones out there that people who just love to play the game. I'm, I hope some of them are watching. That'd be awesome. Um, you know, you're, you're my heroes. Uh, much more technically minded people build these scripts and macros and all sorts of stuff. And it's like, yeah, here's this, you know, specific thing that uh, is in Pathfinder second, second edition. And it's like, oh, how do I translate to that to the VTT? Uh, just Google it because odds are someone else has already asked that same question and built a script, you know, to do exactly that or whatever. Um, it's really awesome. The community is amazing. Uh, speaking of uh, community, you know, how, how might someone, you know, uh, go about finding a VTT group? Do you think, um, you know, uh, uh, we have talked a little bit about Discord, and I think that's a great um, opportunity if you're in like Discord channels like Paizocon and, um, you know, uh, other other Discords for VTTs, you know, there's a bunch out there. Uh, that's a great opportunity to find people who are looking for a game. I mean, they're all over the world. Uh, what, what do you guys uh, think about that? Uh, the message boards on a lot of the uh, virtual tabletop websites will also have a lot of options too. So if you're ever interested in kind of checking out or looking for groups, you can always go straight to the source. That's always a, a good spot. I actually, yeah. Yeah, there are quite a few, um, in, in most of the discords that I've seen that are dedicated to one VTT or another, most of them have a looking for group channel or some equivalent where people will, um, yeah, just like uh, Corey said right there in the chat, the best place I've seen is uh, in the discords of, of actual play podcasts is another excellent place. Um, I mean, in general, just find, find a, a group of people who are interested in the same thing and are demonstrated, demonstrating that interest by being in a certain place, whether that's in the fan community of an AP or um, in the uh, fan community of a particular virtual tabletop. And there will be people out there looking for players. Um, there are also a, a couple of, I can't think of any names right now, but there are definitely a number of um, communities that have popped up recently that serve uh, the express purpose of posting games similar to Warhorn, but basically saying like, yeah, I feel like running Abomination Vaults this weekend. Um, here's the platform I'm running. Here's the time I'm running. I got four slots. Come on and sign up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Demiplane. Also, Demiplane. I completely forgot about that. Demiplane also is looking for group. Demiplane, the new um, Pathfinder Infinite. Um, mm -hmm. Pathfinder Nexus. Sorry, not Pathfinder. Pathfinder Infinite is cool, too, but it's not what we're talking about. Pathfinder Nexus mm -hmm. is the Demiplane thing. And uh, they do, in fact, have looking for group. Perfect. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's it's not hard, I think, to find people who are interested in this because it's so exciting and so new, and there's so many live plays and, and videos of people doing this. It's um, it's a blast. Yeah, I 
I heartily encourage anyone who's interested to, you know, try the demo. All, a lot of these, uh, I think all of them have like at least a demo that you can do for like seven days or something like that. Um, or, you know, uh, try it out for, for a week or a month or something like that. It's um, the barrier to entry has never been lower. I, I would definitely say. I would agree as well. Um, going back in the Wayback Machine, just to just to kind of uh, uh, fill the air here, um, is uh, I remember when I was, um, I must have been like 13 or 14, way back in the inter- internet's early days, um, there was a platform, it was called WebRPG. I'm sure it's defunct now, but it might have a Wikipedia page. Um, and it was a completely like chat room based program that was um that was like this it was a vtt but it it was before there was even like the capability of having like there was there was very basic um mapping gridding software and stuff like that and it was super super bare bones super basic um you didn't have like your dice like 3d dice rolling across the screen or anything like that but it did have random dice generators and stuff um but you know this was before uh, video, you know, across the internet was a big thing. I was still on a 56k modem, and um, you know, so I would, you know, tell my parents like, "Oh man, I got a game. I got a game to run three to five p.m. You're not expecting phone calls, right?" And they're like, uh, "I guess, guess not." And uh, you know, yeah, not anymore. You know, or or I'd be like, "Oh, hold on, guys. You know, I can't can't play right now. You know, my mom's on the phone with her cousin or something." Um, but you know, so thinking about that back then and just how um, different it is now and how how far the hobbies come is is really awesome and it's i think it's a testament to you know just kind of how great this hobby is playing cooperative games tabletop games where you share you know a, a world together and characters and build a story um i i'm yeah it tickles me that that it's come so far in the past like 10 or 20 years similarly yeah. i uh I've definitely been like in the ARPER. I've been in the tabletop scene for uh, virtual tabletops for a while now, just kind of like checking things out and always exploring new options. And the amount of like growth and uh, just like development that's happened in the past few years alone has been absolutely incredible, both in terms of just accessibility and just how much diversity there is within the options available. Um, again, it's a great time to give it a shot. We have uh, think, one uh, other. Does anybody oh, have ahead, any Anna. questions that they wanted to ask uh, any of us specifically? I think Eric probably has the most combined experience across different platforms of any of us, but uh, I'd be more than happy to answer questions. That's a good question. Any plan to revive streamed actual plays with AP employees, with Paizo employees, but VTT based? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be cool, wouldn't it? Um, I know this been a discussion. I can't, I can't remember whether or not what it, what exactly we're allowed to say on this topic. But yes, that 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 would be cool. That would Certainly be cool, would be. and we are all here in favor of it. And um, stay tuned. Maybe it'll be happening on uh, on a Twitch channel near you. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think another great place to find a VTT group uh, that didn't get mentioned was uh, paizo.com forums has an online recruitment uh, section, which uh, folks can use for VTTs, you know, uh, classically, you know, 15 years ago when it first started, it was used for message board games, which are, uh, uh, you know, still, still alive and well, uh, definitely, but 
you can also use it for VTT recruitment too. So I think that's a, a great resource if you're, um, you know, really into the Paizo.com message board community, uh, which is a great community. That's that's a great place to do it. The salt is to keep demons away. Um, demons, ghosts, all the usual stuff that can't cross lines of salt. Somebody asked, so. Mm. The salt yeah, in nice the beer. Eric, uh, you were in Oblivion Oath for a while. That was another one, too. I think our most recent yeah. one since since the pandemic was Band of Bravos, which was also pretty popular. Everybody loves doing those things, so it's always good to hear that people enjoy watching them, and I think that it's definitely something we'd all like to get back into. Oh, the amount of not once I rolled on screen was amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot harder to fudge the numbers. Uh, I mean, you just have to decide to hide the dice. But uh, I mean, it's kind of exciting to just throw it up there on the screen for everyone to see. I think um, it, it just kind of rolls up across the screen. You know, everyone like as soon as you see it moving, you're like, everyone starts, you know, stops talking yeah. and watches it. Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite mods. Um, is the the foundry dice rolling mod? Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, you, a lot of them. A lot of the VTC states you actually have like rolling dice. It's a lot of fun to uh, you can you can customize them a lot too. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, like the entire group will usually just stop. Like if it's a critical rule, like whatever they're doing and just like watch the dice and abject horror, like hoping, hoping it's going to roll. Okay. It, it mm -hmm. brings a lot of drama to the entire group. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know exactly how that is set up. I assume that the actual number is determined well before the animation starts, but that module I, in particular does an amazing job of doing the thing where it's like, oh, the dice are rolling around, and one of them is about to bump into the other one, and it was a 19, and now it's a 2. Um, yeah, yeah it, it'll good. hit the other dice and change, and you just it's the worst thing to see. That's a good question. Yeah, I wonder if the animation gets like pre-rendered and the outcomes are figured out Yeah, as you click the button. Because um, random number generations, I mean, I'm sure you know Andrew and uh, uh, Eric, you guys are very technical. Um, it's pretty weird, like in, in terms of computers, right? Because it's usually tied to a seed, which is uh, usually the clock on your computer, as I understand it, right? So depending on what mm -hmm. exact time you press the button, that helps generate the random number because the computer can't literally, it's, it's hokey, but it like can't like do a truly random number. Um, but in order to predict the number, you'd have to know the exact millisecond you press the button, um, yeah. that kind of thing, right? I do want to respond to Corey. I also use the sad trombone sound automatically whenever anybody in my game rolls a natural one. <laughs> um, you can automate it. Um, yeah. I have, a, I have a soundboard on hand that I use for a lot of stuff like that. That one's automated, but I also have uh, a bunch of just musical stingers for dramatic things. I have one that goes dun, 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 and a few other, <laughs> you know, old-timey radio play kind of stuff. If you happen to have like a, a stream deck, because I know that that's something that that people uh, kind of dabble with, um, there is actually a mod that came out recently for Foundry that allows you to control a lot of the things through your Steam Deck. So you can actually set up like a bunch of music and everything, and just be pressing the buttons off to the side, or you can set it to like control tokens. But yeah, the the amount of just fun musical setup you can do is fantastic. You're talking about a stream stream deck, right? Not a Steam Deck. Oh, uh, Stream Deck, yes. Yeah, Stream Deck, yeah, okay. I remember a Stream Deck came out, like... Handheld game player thing. Right, yeah. Yeah, Stream Deck, it's kind of like a little console, like a soundboard, right? Yeah, those are, I mean, I, I've been looking at that. That seems super handy for, yeah, being able to press the, you know, sound effects right when you need them, or roll the, you know, just roll the dice by pressing the button. Um, yeah, super, super cool. And, and Andrew, you mentioned, like, um, 
Bluetooth dice that connect to your computer and stuff like that, uh, right? That connect to the the Foundry or VTTs. I I saw an ad for those. Google's got my number for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And I was I was like, oh man, you know, not only do they do like LED light up and stuff like that when you roll a twenty, I love that stuff. But uh, you can like change the color, you know, so it's blue today or whatever. Um, you know, change it like I'm doing acid damage, so it's green. Uh, crazy stuff. Yeah. And it, it, integrates like seamlessly with this stuff it's yeah it's really <laughs> we're there folks there was a kickstarter a while ago that basically i, I mean I, I think their goal was to make the most obnoxious dice possible but they were pretty amazing <laughs> they were you roll the 20 you could you could you, you could you could make it play a sound like you just hit the jackpot on a casino and would blink mm-hmm. and flash and turn all different kinds of colors and yeah like you said it could be tied to different kinds of damage depending on on what you were using them for and and it was Sending information back and forth with your VTT, um, yeah. Like you said, if you if you really want to go, if you if you really want to go above and beyond, and you don't care how much money you're spending on stuff, uh, now is a golden age to uh, consume as conspicuously conspicuously as possible when it comes to your gaming accoutrements. <laughs> I mean, that's another I think really unique aspect of VTTs is that you can the the price point is from zero to yeah infinite um you know you can do really awesome stuff with without absolutely without spending any money at all um which is you know kind of kind of mind-boggling to me you know like when you're doing physical handouts you at least have to buy the paper and the coffee to stain it to a parchment or whatever but um as long as you know how to you know use paint or uh, a free photoshop alternative or something like that you can you know when you find a, a royalty-free art you can like make awesome backgrounds and there's tons so many uh map makers out there who are releasing free maps you know battle maps and stuff like that um the the yeah the the price to enter is is uh, nigh nothing and there, there's so much out there to to just explore so that it's it's yeah it's cool i just like vtt's <laughs> I've really enjoyed talking with you too about this. Um, do we have any more questions from the chat, Andrew? Uh, I don't think so. I think eh. that we will get everybody want to know about the salt. But, uh, I've given the only answer I'm going to give for now. The salt, the salt in the background. Stay tuned Got for it. the next stream. Oh, no. Whether it will be answered or not. <laughs> Who knows? Yep, there it is. There it is. Oh, uh, we, need a, we need a dramatic Zoom music there, but we'll take it. Uh, cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you both. Um, you know, uh, uh, if, if folks in the uh, discord want to catch us afterward, we're, we're around happy to chat. Um, you know, uh, ask us all your burning questions, ask us for our most, uh, embarrassing, uh, you know, uh, VTT faux pas. I've definitely revealed all my monsters, um, uh, that were supposed to be hidden well ahead of the encounter. Um, Players were very kind and forgot and forgot about them though. So happy to share experiences like that over Discord or um, you know you can catch us. I had my uh, of- server flagged as a scam site by someone's British ISP. Oh, that's hey, <laughs> that's an honor. It's like an hour to figure out why he suddenly couldn't log in, and it turned out that was it. Mm. Well, it's, it's something. I mean, I was salt, also yeah. running a scam off of that site, but. Right. Yeah. Salt scam. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you both again. Uh, My name is Patrick Reaney, and uh, you guys want to sign off? Absolutely. Nice to to talk to you guys. Hope everybody's having a great PaizoCon. And um, yeah, glad everybody's enjoying the VTT stuff.
Absolutely. We'll catch you on Discord. Okay, Thanks again, everybody. Does have clearance to say so says we are working on more Paizo produced live plays. That's accurate. We just weren't sure if we were allowed to say it ourselves. You heard it here first. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. Um, thank you again, everyone. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you on, on Discord. Happy PaizoCon. Thanks, everybody.